I'm David Reed. This is KHSU's Wednesday Magazine. And every Wednesday we do check in with the North Coast Journal and see what the news is in our community. And the news in our community this weekend is not um, Buffalo on the roads. It's not reports <laughs> of a chimp being seen on the side of the highway. Um, of course, it is is the sweet little girls from Bembo, the Caraco girls. Uh, Thad Greenson is here. Jennifer Fumiko Cahill, thank you guys for being here. Thanks for having us. Yes. Yeah. So the, your cover story is about um, the story that started on Friday. But my first question when I saw this was, how do you write about something that we all know about? We all followed this, <laughs> like social media and you know every way possible. Everybody I know was was you know, watching this story this weekend? Well, that is the first question I grappled with once I, uh, <laughs> you know, switched gears from doing all the breaking coverage over the weekend through Sunday um, and then really thought about how do we turn this into a package for a weekly newspaper. Right, because the North Coast Journal, um, along with Kim Kemp and all the a lot of other local media, were you guys were on this, you, you Thad, were on this from, from the moment. Right. On yeah, I mean, from we got the report, um, I want to say 7 or 8 p.m. Friday night um, that there was a search in progress and, and these two girls were missing and covered it, yeah, for the next, uh, you know, 44 hours. For the four people who didn't know what, what we're talking about that are listening right now, could you kind of give a recap, Jennifer or Thad? Hello, four people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely. On uh, Friday afternoon, uh, two little sisters, Leah Carrico, who's eight, and her sister Caroline, um, wandered off their property um, near Benbow. Um, they went for a walk, and uh, in Caroline's words, Leah wanted a little bit more adventure. And so they went past the boundary that their parents had set on their property. Um, they live on uh, on a property that abuts um, about an 80-acre forest, and so they you know spend a lot of time tromping through the forest, but went beyond their marker this time and got lost um, and sparking a f mad 44-hour search for them that um, and involved the, and the, agencies from all over Northern California. The body of, of this week's journal, it really is the timeline, right? Mm -hmm. And, and what, Im what impressed me in reading it this morning is that you filled in a lot of the gaps and also kind of tweaked our understanding, or at least my understanding, of what was going on uh, and kind of set some things straight. Yeah. So again, in the kind of the approach to the story is, um, I thought that when in kind of critical incidents like this, um, it's easy to feel to walk away from it, feel like you, feeling like you know everything there is to know because you're just bombarded with information um, over this 44-hour period or 48-hour period. But really, you're getting kind of a pretty limited stream of information just over and over and over again. And so, what we tried to do with the cover story is just take them go multiple levels deeper and really talk to the the folks who are on the front lines of this and get their stories and get their kind of blow by blow accounts of how how this um, time period just played out um, right. minute by minute. And it's really helpful to kind of look back now and like this, This I was so emotionally invested in this and everybody that I know was and we were mm -hmm. just really desperately hoping things would come out okay. Mm -hmm. But you're right, we, we heard a couple of little random things repeated over and over again on social mm -hmm. media. 
Yeah, and even the things, I mean, like I was interested in just like how does the Office of Emergency Services protocol work? Right. Um, you know, we, you know, on Friday night we were reporting that these girls were missing and the sheriff's office and the um, Southern Humboldt County Technical Rescue Group um, were searching for them. And then by Saturday morning, um, you know, 10 agencies were, were on the ground in Benbow, including the National Guard. And I was curious, you know, how does that happen? Right. How does that Welcome to protocol the get triggered? And Revolution what, from the heart. Um, and what exactly does that does that look like? Um, and so those are the kinds of things that we tried to address and kind of de- uh, wrap into the cover story. Um, and also just, you know, by Sunday morning, there were 270 volunteers, searchers on the ground in Benbow, um, which takes just a massive coordinating effort, um, not just to get them there, but also to make sure they have food and water and bathrooms and shelter once they're there. Um, and so just kind of looking at those, both the micro level and the macro level things um, of how this will play out over the weekend. Yeah. It was interesting for me to read um, Thad's cover story, even though, you know, I spent my weekend proofing every single post he wrote. So <laughs> I, I I'd obviously read them all. I knew, you know, as much as we were getting, as much as, you know, Thad was putting into the posts, mm-hmm. updating constantly. They found granola wrappers. They're, you know, there's this possibility, that possibility. They're doing parallel investigations for um, possibly... Um, something Foul nefarious or, or yeah and you know all this was coming through and so I I also was not expecting to see um, that much new information but honestly the way that people on the ground react to news as it comes um, how they think about things their strategies in terms of what they investigate what leads they follow mm-hmm. and the risk that every choice involves and the interesting uh, another interesting thing is you know following up on credible leads yes. because they have to that, you know, ended up thankfully going nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. but that they have to be in that place to mm-hmm. do that. Now, this is the official, the official uh, side of, of this investigation, this search. And, and thank goodness, uh, volunteer fire members from Piercy were the ones that found, found the girls, but there was a lot of folks. I was actually at a charity event uh, helping cook one morning and I, uh, on Saturday morning, and I had my fellow cook said, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to get down there. I'm going to help, you know, because I'm from Southern Humble. I'm going to do it. I, you know, I know people down there. And, you know, God bless him. He really wanted to help. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, the officials started saying, hey, stop. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you're, you're going to, you might mess things up. So what was that, you know, what was that part of in your reporting what did you find about that yeah so the, i mean volunteer uh, i guess kind of rogue search efforts <laughs> yeah. um caused a lot of problems down there um especially on saturday night it sounds like um sheriff hansel um told me one anecdote of um once night fell saturday they kind of switched their strategy and they pulled all their boots on the ground search effort, search teams out and um just went through had patrol vehicles going through the roads with floodlights um and then kind of periodically stop and call out and listen. Um, the idea being that it's it's both dangerous for searchers to be on the ground um, going through ravines and stuff like that at night, um, but then also they, they run the risk of trampling over evidence and trampling over boot prints and things like mm-hmm. that um, because they can't see well. Um, 
So the idea with the vehicle searches is that if they found something or got, you know, heard something that they would then call back and they would deploy a, an on the ground team very specifically to a specific location. And so Sheriff Hansel relayed, you know, a story about uh, one of these patrol teams heard screaming in the distance and they mm-hmm. thought they had a hit on the girls in the middle of the night on Saturday called a on-the-ground team out of bed um, who got suited up and mobilized, ran out to this spot in the you know, middle of the woods only to find it was a group of rogue searchers who you know, were just tromping through on their own. Oh, oh wow. Um, now, yeah, and, so, and you can't blame people for wanting to help. And it is you just, can't blame it, the impulse. You it, can't the blame impulse the impulse is just like, I was, you know, I'm, I got two girls that are basically the same age. Mm-hmm. I, I can totally understand that. Absolutely. But it's, it's difficult to like with, with you know, mm-hmm. to hold back. I mean, even, yeah. the, I mean, people were saying that road out to those properties is not made for, for heavy traffic at mm-hmm. all. No, definitely. And that's the other thing. And cars is, had to be pulled out of ditches and whatnot because they got Yeah, there, there was also a problem Saturday night with um, vehicles coming in a back road to try to search on their own and getting stuck on muddy roads and then, yeah. you know, having to divert efforts to pull them out. Well, what should people, I mean... One of the takeaways, there was a lot of them over the uh-huh. weekend. One of them was covered in your editorial this week about mm-hmm. let's use this impulse and this passion and this moment to to do some things. And what, what kind of things can people do? Yeah, well, I think the... Um one of the just jaw-droppingly inspiring things for me this weekend was seeing the volunteer turnout, you know, yeah. um, that... Um, once that call went out from Humboldt County that the, these girls needed help, um, people just jumped jumped to help. And um, so you had, like I said, there was 270 volunteers on the ground on Sunday. And those aren't people who just showed up. Those are people who are members of their own cert- volunteer search and rescue teams, their own volunteer fire departments in their communities who mobilized to come to Humboldt County from as far off as Santa Clara and Placer counties. And so it reinforced to me the need for folks to support their own volunteer organizations, first responder organizations. And then you look at the first responders that are part of this, we're like deeply ingrained in this, that are all volunteer. I mean, Mm -hmm. the Piercy Volunteer Fire Department, the two, Chumley and and Hill, who Mm -hmm. found the girls. Um, uh, Oh, the woman who is is kind of the linchpin in, in Diana Totten. Diana Totten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the, these are all or- volunteer organizations and they need funds mm-hmm. and they need people. Yeah, I heard from people over the weekend about, you know, um, volunteers taking money out of their own pockets to fill, you know, official department gas tanks mm-hmm. and stuff like that to, right. to get them there. And um, yeah, and, and they need people and they also, like you said, just need funds and support. Um, I mean, for example, Delbert Chumley, um, who found the girls um, said that they train the Piercy Volunteer Fire Department trains every Saturday, I and mean, that's just that's a huge time investment of these mm-hmm. people, um, right. and we need to support them. Well, and then the 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 Humboldt Sheriff's Posse is not part, you know, is not they're not sheriffs, they're volunteers. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and they you know they need more uh, more people in their ranks. Right. Um, Sheriff Hansel said that the the posse is a lot smaller than a than it should be for a county of the size. So mm-hmm. especially if, with all the all the potential for people getting lost and injured and mm-hmm. 
off trail. Yeah, and I would just super encourage everybody listening to, you know, who was inspired by the story of the weekend to think of ways that they can help, whether it's writing a check to one of these organizations, whether it's physically volunteering to, to become a search team member. These, you know, organizations also need a lot of support help. So if, if you're not able-bodied enough to get out there and search through a ravine, but can, you know... Um, go to the spaghetti feed, go to the crab feed, exactly. go to the pancake breakfast. Sell buy tickets, a pie. All buy those a things. pie. Um, there's a role for everybody to help. Yeah, I, I've been, you know reading for the past couple of years um, about the Southern Humboldt technical rescue team. Every time we have something where, you know, a car rolls into a ravine or something like that, we, we see something fantastic that they did and the immense training that yeah. they require in order mm -hmm. to be able to go and help people and not, you know, endanger themselves and add to it. It's, you know, like, I'm sorry, but if, even if I had the will, you know, right. the time, the effort and the, the will to go out there. I don't have the training to do the things that they do. And, you know, my best shot as a member of the community is to, you know, engage in fundraisers, send mm -hmm. a check, yeah. um, be helpful in whatever capacity you can. Um, they need help paying for their training. They need help paying for equipment. Um, mm -hmm. They need everything we can give them. Yeah. Since you, you were part of this and Kim Kemp contributed to the story, Kim mm -hmm. redheadedblackbelt.com and Mark McKenna, also contributed to the story greatly, the photographer. Yeah, their efforts were huge. We wouldn't have been able to, to have it all, any level, anything near the level of coverage we had. We've only them. got a, a little over a minute. How are, how is the family doing and how are the girls doing? It seems like they've gotten just, you know, the the usual huge media upswing yeah. into their lives when this is a family that lives in Bembo, kind of off the grid and in the woods and stuff. Yeah, so I got a chance to meet with them on Monday um, as part of kind of a press conference um, with some major networks. And they were really hopeful that they would kind of do this one public interview, um, get that, get their story out there to people, and then be able to go back to their lives. And so, um, you know, as of Monday afternoon, I know uh, Misty Carrico, the mom, said that she'd slept about two hours over the previous three days, that they had gotten home from the hospital on Sunday, really hopeful to just unwind and relax, but we're still so wound up they couldn't. Um, so hopefully they're, they're getting some good rest now. Um, Gosh, I hope so. And it's, it's, thank goodness this turned out, turned out well. I, we do need to support though, the people that do this work, yeah. no matter mm -hmm. what the outcome is, mm -hmm. you know, the, the first responders and the volunteers. So, but we can all relish in a very good outcome. It's really this time. nice to have, have some good news. It's not, Absolutely. honestly, Thad was saying to me when, you know, when he was working on this, he said, this is not the story I expected to write. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah, that you did. Jennifer Famico Cahill is the arts and features editor for the North Coast Journal. Thad Greenson is the news editor. And thank you guys for covering this story all weekend long. And this cover story is is a really nice way to relish this 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 sweet story. And it's okay. live online. We put it online early. Oh, you guys put it up early? Yes. Okay, so you can, you can go, go look at it out. right now. As well as the family's full interview. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. That's terrific. Guys, thank you so much.